is John Lyons right now on WEEI. Love to eat turkey, cause it's good. Love to eat turkey like a good boy should, cause it's turkey to eat. So good. That clapping's messing my head up, man. I appreciate it. But I was, was trying to think of the next line. I'm like, all I hear is clapping. Here we go. Thanks anyways. Turkey for me. Turkey for you. Let's eat the turkey in my big brown shoe. Love to eat the turkey at the table. I once saw a movie with Betty Grable. Welcome into WEEI on this Thanksgiving morning. I'm your host, John Lyons. Thank you to Jackson for that wonderful introduction there. He's behind the glass. It's just us two. It's a ghost town in the WEI studios. But you got us. If you need something to be thankful for, Jackson, I think it's that the people have us on their radio. Yes, absolutely. We and, and it's so you say it's a ghost town. I've never seen this parking lot so empty. I know. Although people don't work on Fridays or Mondays anymore anyway. Yeah. But it's even worse. And it's it's there's nobody. We well, see, it, the the lone survivors here. I, I think this might be my first time here on a Thursday, Jackson, because usually I do the weekend shows or you know I'll fill in at night. You know, so the parking lot to me is usually pretty empty as it is. But I'm sure it's quite a shock for you coming in here and uh, there's no other cars or one other car i know yeah but hey happy thanksgiving to all you listening out there and we got a pretty exciting show for the next couple hours we're going to take you into the detroit lions green bay packers game at noon or a little after noon but before then we're going to get into the celtics game last night the bruins game last night also going to talk about what we are thankful for in boston sports because i feel like most of the time when you hear sports radio you hear people saying negative things and complaining which Hey, if you've watched the Patriots this year or the Red Sox, there is plenty to complain about. But we are actually going to say things we are thankful for and and try to be a little positive, at least for one segment. Tom Brady had some interesting comments this week about the state of the NFL I want to dive into as well. And I'm really excited for the final segment of this program at 1145. So make sure you stick around for that, because if you're out there in New England and you have any high school football scores or stats that you want us to read on the air and give some highlights for, we're going to do that at 11.45. So we have a lot to get to in this short couple hours before the Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers kick off. I'm looking forward to it. Happy Thanksgiving again. And I want to start off again. I mentioned the Bruins and Celtics last night. I want to start off with the Boston Celtics and their 119-116 win over the Milwaukee Bucks last night. This was coming on the heels of a Monday night in Charlotte, and if you saw that Tatum video, you know what I mean, Monday night in Charlotte, where the Celtics have an 11-point lead with a couple minutes to go. They have a two-point lead with Drew Holiday having two free throws. He misses both later on. Tatum misses a free throw to tie it in overtime. They really fumble away a game against a team they're better than, which... To be honest, this year we hadn't really seen that. It was their third loss, but to me it was really the first time they had pulled a 2022 or 2023 Celtics and fumbled away a game that they were you know, the better team in. Whereas this one, 2023-2024 season, so far they've been winning those games. So they bounced back from that with the 119-116 win over Milwaukee. And look, they really came out ready to play. They, they were up 10 nothing early in this game. Jalen Brown was playing really well to start. He played well throughout, but especially early on in that game. They were up by 15 points entering the fourth quarter. 
They hold on to win by three. So in the fourth quarter, they get outscored by 12. Not great, but they do hang on to win. And I'm going to get into the larger implications of that later. If you want to join in and talk about the Celtics, of course, we're going to have Patriots, Bruins, and some high school stuff later on. 617-779-7937. We also have the text line, of course, 7937. Feel free to join in with the conversation. We'd be happy to hear from you. But this Celtics game last night... It was the first time the Celtics have a chance to play the Dame Lillard Bucks, and I say the Dame Lillard Bucks; it's the Giannis Bucks. But Dame Lillard is the first time they have played against him. And I mentioned they come up ten nothing, opening the game. They're up fifteen, entering the fourth. And if you look at the stars in this game, Jalen Brown twenty six points, two rebounds. He had eight assists. He really was not just scoring but creating. And I think towards the end of that Charlotte game on Monday night, there's that famous picture with Porzingis standing wide open in the middle of the lane and and Brown shooting the three anyway. It felt like the ball got a little bit sticky in that game, whereas in this game I thought the ball moved much better for the Celtics, led by Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum, 23 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. Tatum's having an MVP-level season so far. And, of course, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, 21 points, 6 rebounds, and an assist. And what stood out to me, though, because if you look at the Bucs, and their top three guys, Giannis was 21-13-5, Dame 27-5-5, Brooke Lopez, welcome to the NBA, and when I say welcome to the NBA, a guy that I would not expect to score 28 points, but you get that in the NBA sometimes, night before Thanksgiving, 28-7 and for Brooke Lopez. So the stars, in a sense, kind of washed each other out, like the top three of each team. The Celtics bench, which has been a concern of mine just depth-wise so far this season, had 31 points to the Bucks 22, made a really big difference in this game. I, I mentioned the Celtics had that hot start, and then they played pretty well in the second quarter. They outscored Milwaukee by two. Third quarter, they outscored Milwaukee by one. And then, of course, Milwaukee wins the fourth quarter, but not enough to win the game. But that bench piece of it, I thought, kept helped kept keep that hot start going, right, if I can get the words out there. The bench helped keep the hot start going and made a huge difference in this game. Jackson, I don't know about you. Did you have a chance to uh, watch this game last night? Yeah, I saw a little bit of it. Yeah. And um, we do actually have sound of Jalen uh, Brown talking about how good the bench uh, did, if you want to You know that. what? Let's hear from that right now. There's Jalen Brown on the bench. What can you say about your backcourt and Drew Holiday and Derek White making winning plays? Just tough. You know, those guys are tough. They play both sides of the ball. And um, they just wanted the, some of the league's best. So we count on them and depending on them to be who they are. So I'm excited to see their growth. And we got to keep letting them grow their confidence and keep playing good basketball. I guess it really wasn't the bench. It was the backcourt. But the uh, bench, you know, helped a lot too. Yeah. yeah, and even that backcourt. I mean, we can stop right there on the backcourt. This is... You trade Marcus Smart in the offseason. You bring in Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and later Holiday. Your backcourt, I mean, last night, Derek White, 13 points. Drew Holiday only had five, but he had eight rebounds. He had an impactful game. And I think even that game that the Celtics lost against the Hornets, I know Holiday missed those two free throws, and that was bad. But then he had that great offensive rebound. I think it was early in overtime where then the Celtics ended up getting a three off it. They're, I think, tie at that point. But he's made... A lot of those plays that we've always thought of Marcus Smart for, those plays that maybe don't show up on the stat sheet or they show up as maybe just a rebound or yeah, just a grit plays. Yeah, they, but they make a big difference. He's made a lot of those plays. And this guy, deep, former defensive player of the year, you know, level player. He's won a championship. So, I, you know, I've been really impressed with Drew Holiday and not just Drew Holiday, but how he's worked with Derek White in that backcourt. And this Celtics starting five. So, look, the win last night against the Bucks 
I think was a good win, despite them having a hangout in the fourth quarter. This is a good win against a good basketball team. And by the way, did you see Giannis and uh, Bucks head coach Adrian Griffin get into it a little bit? I don't know. Maybe there's a little trouble in uh, Milwaukee paradise if there's a such thing. But, I would not want to get into it with Giannis. Yeah, no, me, me neither. But this Celtics team, we they had this makeover, and now we're, what, 15 games in. They're 12-3. and three. To me, they're a better team than at any point since 2008 when they won a championship. And they're starting five. So Jalen Brown was just talking about the backcourt. So when you have White, Holiday, Brown, Porzingis, and Tatum, Jackson, that starting five, plus minus, they're a plus 107. It's incredible. They, so far playing together. The change from last year to this year, even with Missoula, I feel like Missoula yeah. last year was kind of the experiment, but he's got his finger on the pulse of these Celtics and he is really driving them to be where they should be and, and play how they should be playing. Yeah, I saw some odds uh, the other day that the two or two of the top three favorites for coach of the year are Ime Udoka and Joe Mazzulla, so an interesting uh, little odds there. Um, and actually the team the Celtics are playing next, the Orlando Magic, I'm going to get to that matchup later, but uh, they might have a coach of the year candidate themselves. Don't look now, the Magic are the second best team in the Eastern Conference right now, I think. Like, it's nuts. So, But anyways, Celtics, that starting five is a plus 107 right now. They've played 12 games together. In those 12 games, they're 11-1. and one. I mean, this is a starting five. And Tatum right now, I mentioned he's on an MVP-level pace. He's averaging 27.9 points per game. He's averaging 9.1 rebounds a game, 4.1 assists a game. I mean, he's really scoring rebounding, facilitating. Jalen Brown is averaging, what, 24, 5, and 4. And again, Porzingis, who is the guy, I guess you could say, has taken a little bit of a step back, he's still averaging 19 points and 7 rebounds a game. I mean, he's playing great. And Jalen Brown even put something on uh, his Instagram story about the Porzingis-Brown two-man game, and it's a picture of uh, Shaq and Kobe from the Lakers. Uh, It's been pretty impressive to watch them, and it's funny because I think Jalen Brown... His scoring numbers maybe are not as high as we've seen in the past, but it feels like he's much more efficient playing with Chris Tapps Porzingis, and things flow better with Chris Tapps Porzingis, especially, I think, when it comes to Jalen Brown. I think he's made a really big difference there, and Porzingis himself, I mean, he's been, he might be, and I don't want to be too hyperbolic here, but Chris Tapps Porzingis might be the most or one of the most unique players the Celtics have ever had. And why I say that, no, he's not the best player in Celtics history. No, he's not top five. I'm not going that far, 15 games in. But a guy that last year shot 38.5% from three, led the NBA in points per post-up, was one of the best pick-and-roll defenders in the NBA. And we've seen his impact. How about his block at the end of the Memphis game? I mean, that's just a game-sealing play. And then, of course, standing over the shooter, just kind of saying, get up. That was awesome, too. But Chris Tapsperzingis, a guy they really have not had before, and I think that's gone a long way towards unlocking what they've gotten so far to Jalen Brown. Again, the numbers might not be as high, but I think you're getting much more efficiency from Jalen Brown. And I mentioned you know, the Celtics hanging on last night. I, I think like this Celtics team, they're 12-3, and three, and if you look at their three losses, overtime against Minnesota, three-point loss to Philly, and then, of course, the one to Charlotte. The Charlotte one, to me, is the only one where I've looked at it like, hey, they're a much better team. They have a lead. They should close this out, and they haven't. And that's been the biggest thing. To me, the biggest part of the Celtics' identity in the last five years is coming up short. And I hate to say that. I love the Celtics. If you were in the studio right now, you'd see me with my Celtics hat on. But the biggest part of their identity has been coming up short, whether it's been 
in game sixes or game sevens or guys just not playing well for stretches in the season or game even just you know look at last year those early season games they lost to the Cavaliers or when they lost back-to-back games to the Magic in December right now like opening night against the Knicks Celtics win 108-104 they started to trail in that fourth quarter to me that's a game last year the Celtics would have lost and then the um that other Knicks game was kind of close for a while, but that Philly game last week, the Toronto game, the Memphis game, they started to get a little bit closer. To me, the game against New York on opening night and then the game against Toronto last Friday and the game against Memphis on Sunday, all three of those games, Jackson, to me, would have been losses with the Celtics last year, year before, year before that. Absolutely. They just have that that Genesee quad, quote, Wiggy. Uh, that it, you know, it makes them pull through. And um, we have Joe Missoula on uh, the end of the game and how they hold on. If you want to hear that, yeah, let's hear it. And then in crunch time, what was different tonight versus against Charlotte? Um, you know, I thought we executed the pace. We still didn't guard the three-point line well. We still gave up some offensive rebounds, but I still think we just managed the game with our offense. We didn't get great shots, um, you know, but we didn't turn it over the last couple of minutes, and we got a shot up. So, still can be better in that area, um, you know. But it's an improvement. Still can be better, but definitely improving. They, it's yeah, getting getting the good shots is what what is key at that point. And last year they didn't get the good shots. Yeah, and I think we saw last year. Like, why did they trade for Malcolm Brogdon? Because their crunch time offense suffered against the Warriors in the finals two years ago. And I think he helped it to an extent, but then he wasn't fully healthy in the playoffs and still just didn't feel quite right. They go through this makeover, and now, I mean, Missoula mentioned it. Sure, they can be better, but again, Knicks on opening night, they probably lose that game last year. At Toronto last Friday, they probably lose that game last year. Memphis Sunday, they probably lose that game. So now they've done it once against Charlotte, which again, that wasn't a good, you know, that, that was a bad loss. It wasn't a good performance down the stretch. But if you have one of those once in a while, sometimes that happens in the NBA. Whereas if you're doing it all the time, which the Celtics have done last year, the year before, the year before that, then it's a major problem and it costs you in the playoffs, which we saw even last year's playoffs. Game two against Miami, they have a lead late in the second half and they lose, right? We, so we saw that you know, last year. We start the year before against Golden State and, of course, against Miami of course, two years ago, even though they won the series. So to me, this Celtics team, this win against the Bucks, it's an impressive win against a good team. But I think this is another one. They would have lost a year ago, so that's four games now. The Celtics sit in twelve and th- at twelve and three. I feel like this time last year, like with the way some of these games have gone, this might have been an eight and seven team, and we'd be sitting here on Thanksgiving saying, "Hey, what's wrong with the Celtics? They can't close it out again." Instead, they're closing out most of these games. They're winning. Their best players, I mentioned Tatum, playing in an MVP type level. Drew Holiday's fit pretty seamlessly. Porzingis has been fantastic, and the Porzingis Brown playing off each other, has been really good in the bench. I think that's the special sauce right there, the Porzingis-Brown hookup, because Brown didn't really kind of mesh with anybody as well last year as he is with Porzingis right now. Yeah, and I think, like, and if you look at their bigs from the last couple of years, like, and I love Robert Williams, but no one's scared of him shooting outside of six feet away from the basket. So that that's just a whole another element to their offense. And Al Horford, great big. But 37 years old, so you got to manage him. They couldn't have him out there all the time. Whereas Porzingis, and they may have to manage his minutes down the stretch a little bit too, but at least he's a guy that gives you an element, like if you're Jalen Brown, like you said, Jackson, that's something else the defense has to account for. Now it gives you more room to be a scorer, but also a facilitator 
as well. So great win for the Boston Celtics last night. I will get to the Bruins later on in the program, I promise. But coming up next, the Patriots are coming out of their bye week. I don't know about you, Jackson. I, I did not think they would be 2-8 and eight coming out of their bye week. I predicted 10 wins, I think, or 11. And I actually promised the guys in my fantasy football league if they didn't have uh, more than eight wins, I would pay next year for them, and that is not looking like a good so promise. So if they win out, you will not have to pay. Yes. But we'll see. I don't know how likely uh, yeah. that really is. But we're going to get into the Patriots at the bye because I don't want to just sit here and say, oh, Max sucks and they've been bad, but that that is also kind of true. But I want to get deeper into why are they 2-8, and eight? can they do anything to recover, and what does the future of this team look like? But before we do that, here's what's trending with Jackson. Your home of the Sox. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Trending brought to you by Northeast Men's Health. The Celtics beat the Bucks 119-116 on their return home. Jalen Brown led the team with 26 points and 8 assists. Five of them to uh, Porzingis, by the way. And uh, Bruins take down the Panthers 3-1, getting goals from Beecher, Coyle, and DeBrusque. And your slate of Turkey Day NFL games are as follows. The Packers at Lions at 12.30. The Commanders at Dallas at 4.30. And 49ers take on the Seahawks in Seattle at 8.20 tonight. That is what's trending on WEEI and WEEI.com. Come on, yeah. Back here on WEEI, I'm John Lyons. Jackson behind the glass. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. We just got done talking about the Celtics, but we did have a texter from the 508 say, please mention Dame getting rejected by the rim. I should have mentioned that in the first segment. That was, uh, and look, I, I like Dame Lillard. I think he's a tremendous player. If the Celtics had him, I, I'd be a big fan too, but that was pretty cool to see. Him yeah, sometimes there. you just need yeah. the uh, rim to do defense for you. <laughs> I do want to talk some Patriots now. Before we do that, though, I want to bring in uh, Steve from Fall River. Steve, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for uh, calling in. Happy Thanksgiving to all. Uh, Las Vegas had a seven and a half on the uh, Patriots win and loss total. I always thought it was rational and right on. I thought they'd be last in the division because I thought Aaron Rodgers was playing for the uh, Jets. I thought they'd be zero to two wins in the division because I figured there'd be an injury and I'm chalking that one up to Aaron Rodgers, but I didn't ex- and, and one upset, which already happened. So they're they're trending to be two wins in the division. I got to tell you, I I I I called Andy Hot and I said, what's going to happen to Bill Belichick when they're three and eight, and uh, they have a couple of bad games after that? He said Belichick will never be fired in season, and I'm going to go with that, even though they're two and eight, he won't be fired in season. I'm calling about this nonsense about Mac Jones, and if I'm right about the Patriots' record this year, I'm more correct than Bob Kraft, Jonathan Kraft, and Bill Belichick, who apparently were quietly optimistic in the offseason. One of the scariest reports we've heard, and we've heard a lot of reports, that somehow the Patriots' team, being those guys, were telling reporters throughout the uh, off-season and training camp that we're going to surprise you guys. We're going to this, we're going to that. That's a little shocking. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Come that. Come on, before. man. That's in our DNA, oh, Steve. Steve, that's the New England DNA. we got to be hopeful until you have no hope left. No, but the team was hopeful. The people making the decisions thought they had a better team on the field. That's scary. They should have. They We knew what they had. Las Vegas knew what they had. They thought they were going to be better than seven and a half. 
I, 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 if somebody like one of you guys said you thought they're going to be in the seven half, okay, God bless you. But when the team running this zillion dollar operation, who knows what it's like to be a championship team, thinks what they put on the field this year was going to be better than seven and a half, to be is scary. And I'm going to just close by saying Mac Jones is not broke. Bill Belichick cannot break him. The team around him and the organization around him sucks. And it's hard to divine what he would be with a better cast of characters. But I'm here to tell you he will be better with a better cast of characters. You've had people say he could be doing what Brock Purdy's doing in in, in San Francisco. I, I, I think there's Miami something game. to that, Steve. Like, if he had the best left tackle in the NFL in Trent Williams and one of the best receivers in Debo Samuel and one of the best tight ends in George Kittle, I... I That's think he not could. unique to yeah. him. That's no, no, I'm saying I'm agreeing. I, I, I think if he had this, and thank you very much for the call, Steve. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm going to get into a lot of that because, look, I, I think Mac Jones, we can all agree, has played bad this year for long stretches. But I think he's been let down just as much by what's around him than his own play. And look, he's that interception against Philly was catastrophic. The interception against Dallas was horrendous. The play against the Saints was awful. His interception against the Colts and his lack of decision earlier, the play Bill O'Brien got caught on uh, video yelling at him for, horrendous. All bad. However, the Patriots are 2-8, and eight, not just because their quarterback has sucked for several stretches this year. They're 2-8 and eight because they have been let down essentially by their entire offense. Jackson, to me, there's only one guy, and he was pretty vocal about it this week, there's only one guy who I think has played well in every game he's played on the Patriots offense, and that's Trent Brown. Like Trent Brown? Yeah. He's the only guy I think in every game he's played, he's played well, but he hasn't been healthy and available all year, right? So he's the only one that, and maybe you could say Kendrick Bourne before he got hurt was playing pretty well, but I mean, look, this is a Patriots team. They're 31st in points per game, 294.5 yards per game, 26th, and you, Jackson... You know how many points the Patriots' offense has allowed? Off, probably more than their defense. So yeah, yeah, it's it's not uh, <laughs> it's not that far. But the Patriots' offense has given up thirty-one points. I was going to say thirty-four. Wow, thirty-one. Is- and and I'm including like if they throw a pick six, the PAT after, or of course when Dallas ran the fake field goal for two. Like I include that. But they've had pick sixes. They've had fumble recoveries taken back for touchdowns. The safety against Vegas. It's added up to they have given up 31 points on defense. Has there been a single game this year where they've even scored 31? No. No, right? No, so, yeah, that's but, four and a half touchdowns. Yeah, and, and <laughs> there's some things. Like, when I look at, hey, what's a good offense? What's a good football team? There's certain things I always look at. Third down, red zone, turnovers, yards per carry running the ball, yards per attempt, and obviously points, duh. You know, believe it or not, Jackson, the Patriots are undefeated when they score more points than the other team. Wow. Yeah, believe, yeah, believe it or not. That's but a John Madden right there. Yeah, I, I I look at these, you know, certain metrics. Third down, the Patriots right now are 26th in the league. In the red zone, they're actually 14th, which considering they were dead last last year, 14th, I don't think, is that bad. Both of those are surprising, actually. I would think that they would be worse than 26th on third down. Too. They have been bad on third down. It's yeah, just they have been. It's atrocious. And the thing about it is they've been 14th in the red zone, but they've had so much trouble getting there. I mean, how many drives have we seen stall at the 40, stall at the 30, turnover on their own side of the field? So they, they've been okay when they've gotten there. 
their turnover differential, and this is kind of shocking if you think about a Patriots team coached by Bill Belichick, minus six, which is 29th in the NFL. I mean, 29th in turnover differentials, just brutal. Their y- security is job security. Yeah, their yards per carry running the ball, 21st. Yards per attempt, 14th, so not terrible. But they've also had quite a few drops downfield. So the point is, these numbers don't look great, and I know Mac hasn't played well, but I also, like, if you're going to fix this offense, which we thought, at least I'll speak for myself, I thought Bill O'Brien was going to help do, and so far it hasn't worked out. I really don't blame Bill O'Brien as much because – feel like the guys tried everything, different personnel groups, long passes, short passes, inside zone, outside zone, power runs, counter runs, like screens. It feels like the guys tried everything. But like, let's start with the offensive line. Mac, Mac has been sacked for, or they've given up 41 sacks this year. Time of possession, they're last in the league because they keep getting sacked or they keep getting stuffed on first and second down, and then they're in third and long. But Mac Jones has faced 114 pressures so far this year, which right now ranks 22nd in the league per pro football focus. Now, at the time of the bye week, because the Patriots didn't play last week, at the time they finished their game against the Colts, that was 15th. So when you look at it, whether you go with the 15th or the 22nd, which it is now, on the surface, that really doesn't look bad. Like, okay, at the time of their bye week, they were middle of the league in pressures allowed. That's not too bad. But the problem is, is that, the other teams ahead of them, so the quarterbacks that have faced more pressure than Mac Jones, just about every single one of them has at least one, if not two, better offensive playmakers to get the ball out quickly to. The guy who faced the most pressure in the league, Sam Howe, we just saw him a few weeks ago in against Washington. He's faced the most pressures, but he has Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin he can get the ball out quickly to if he needs to get rid of it. Josh Dobbs, I know it's kind of been a mix between Arizona and Minnesota, but Minnesota, he's got Jordan Addison. He's got TJ Hawkinson. He can get the ball out quickly to them. They'll probably have Justin Jefferson back. right? Patrick Mahomes, we know he has Travis Kelsey. Justin Herbert, we know all the great weapons there. Jalen Hurts, part of that is he holds the ball a little longer, but we know how good their receivers are. And you just keep going down the list. Josh Allen's another one. He's faced the 10th most pressures so far this year, but he's got Stephon Diggs there. Lamar Jackson, he's faced the 12th most pressures, but he's got Zay Flowers. And I know Mark Andrews is out now, but he had Mark Andrews all the way up until now. And he also holds the ball a little bit longer. And, of course, Joe Burrow, who's now injured, has that great receiving core there. So the point is, is that even the guys that face more pressure than Mac Jones have at least a weapon or two that, oh, no, I have to get the ball out quick, I can get it to. Mac doesn't really have that. And I love Demario Douglas. I love that draft pick. I think he's going to be a very good player for them. But he's in his rookie season. He's a sixth-round pick out of Liberty. You can't expect him to be the second coming of Julian Edelman in his rookie year. It's just unfair to him, and it's unfair to the offense. So the point is that the offensive line, I think, is the last few weeks. So in the Colts game, they were not good. Before that, the two or three weeks before, I thought they were better Earlier in the year, they were awful. I mean, you look at this. Trent Brown, I do think, has been good. But Cole Strange, he's allowed at least three pressures in every game he's played except one. He's had a pro football focus grade over 60 only once, and that was against the Colts where I still didn't think he looked that good. Can we say that was a flop of a pick yet? (laughs) Yeah, well, at at the very least, it was a reach. And and if you look at this offensive line, too, Jackson, you bring up the pick. He's a first-round pick. They don't have any other first-round picks on that O-line. I don't think that I they don't have any other second round picks on that offensive line. Right? I don't think they even have any because what David Andrews was undrafted. City So was a day three pick. Mike on when it was a day three pick. And I think Trent Brown 
was a later round pick uh, when he first came out as well. So they don't really have a lot of higher end talent on their own line. And that's one thing when you have Dante Scarnecchia coaching them and Tom Brady playing QB. You don't have those things anymore. You need more than that. And look, I think City So has been pretty good overall considering he's a rookie. But even a guy like him, and I think City So is actually a microcosm of their offensive line issues this year because out of he's played seven games this year. In six of them, he's either had a pass blocking or a run blocking grade over 70, which is really good. But he's only had two games where they've both been over 60 at the same time. So it's like either he'll run block really well or he'll pass block really well, but you don't always get both. And I think that's kind of a microcosm of what you've gotten out of the whole offensive line. I mean, I mentioned so. So Andrews, Moffey, Strange, Calvin Anderson, Vidarian Lowe, all of them have pass block grades below 53 as of the bye week, which is just, it's awful, right? And again, Mac has not played well, but you look at now what's in front of him. Yeah, they've had a couple good games, but out of 10 games, having two or three good games is not going to cut it on an NFL offensive line. Mac's also had receivers drop the ball 12 times, which on its surface, that's middle of the pack in the NFL, 12 drops. That doesn't sound too bad but Jackson these drops that they've had absolutely catastrophic drops that have cost them games that juju drop is the one really? thing I go back to that 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 was a uh season changing drop perhaps yeah like, you it know it could have gone all yeah. differently if he caught that ball yeah and you look at that game so the juju smith schuster drop obviously cost them the game at the end but Jalen Rager is open for a 50-plus yard touchdown, Mac Jones hits him on the hands, drops it, and he's, he catches that and scores a touchdown. Totally different game. Maybe you win. In fact, I think you Maybe probably... Maybe different season. Like, yeah. You know, that could have uh, been the start of a, you know... A- you know, yeah. rebuild, no, comeback I, kind of I, thing. If you win that game, maybe then you beat the Colts. All of a sudden, we're four and six coming out of the bye, which, again, still not great, not good, but hell of a lot different than two and eight. And so you have the two versus Washington, but what about... Devontae Parker against the Raiders. He catches that. You're probably in field goal range a couple plays later. Kick a field goal to win. That's another win that a drop has cost you. Kayshawn Booty, I know this wasn't a drop, but how about the two separate times he didn't get his feet down against Philadelphia? One was a third and 10 conversion that they could have had in the second half. The other one was on their final drive that would have put them inside the 10-yard line to potentially score a game-winning touchdown. That's another win taken off the board. And I hate to say this, Jackson, DeAndre Hopkins makes all three of those plays. Oh, God, I'm just yeah. saying he makes again, sure-handed. He makes all those plays. And how about that interception week two? So I think the single worst play the Patriots offense has made this year. It's not the Mac Jones interception against Indio. That was bad. It's the Mac Jones interception against Miami in week two. And why do I say that? The Patriots had just converted a fourth down in the red zone. They're going down potentially to change the game. Devontae Parker gets smoked off the line of scrimmage, gets pushed out of bounds. Mac makes a bad decision to throw it. Didn't love the play call either. Bad decision to throw that. Throws, underthrows it. Parker has no fight for the ball. Interception inside the red zone. You end up losing that game. So even that one, I know that one maybe we don't point to as, as directly related to the outcome as the Parker drop against Vegas or the Colts interception. or that. But that potentially cost the game too. So the point is, is that, yes, Mac has not played well. He was awful against the Cowboys, awful against the Saints, awful against the Colts. But he has been time and again let down by the players around him. I think almost all. I mean, what are we? We're sitting here talking about wins against Washington, against Vegas, probably against Philly. 
Like, that's a five and five team. Yeah. So those. It's uh, a totally yeah. different season if those things happen. Yeah. Those those one singular plays plus the thirty one points that the offense is. Yeah, know, that's uh, another that, piece of it. Well, those two stats combined uh, are you know if those if half of those things didn't happen, we're looking at a whole completely different season. Yeah, and how about their? If I'm a defensive player. And I know they're good teammates, they're professionals. I'm probably pretty frustrated, though, because to me, this defense has played well enough to win seven out of their ten games. And I mentioned how bad the offenses have been. By the way, if you're into advanced stats, DVOA, they're 26th. Their special teams is just as bad. Yeah, I mean, which is, I mean that's, a, that's a shock with a Bill Belichick team They draft right a kicker and a punter in the fourth round instead of Dewan Jones, who's the starting right tackle against Cleveland. I'll never get that. And Chad Ryland's, what, 11 of 16 on field goals right now? I mean, come on. You can't but, have a, a kicker be number 37. Like, that's just that, that's uh, yeah, bad true. juju to, yeah. to begin with. So you know what? That's the biggest complaint, right? <laughs> but see, that's why when you look at this, I know it's easy, and a lot of people just be like, oh, Bill's lost it, oh, Mac sucks, and that's why they're 2-8. and eight. Yeah, Mac has been bad. And Bill made a bunch of bad personnel decisions. But there's so many reasons, especially offensively, why they're tonight. Because defensively, again, even the Dallas game, they lose 38-3. to So you'd be like, well, what do you say about the defense? The defense only gave up 23 points in that game. I think they only gave up one touchdown on defense in that game. They gave up 15 points on offense in the Dallas game. I mean, it's br- look at the Philly game. I mean, this is a t- Philadelphia won the NFC last year. Came in here, great team, and they get, the Patriots' defense gave up 18 total points, and six of those 18 were on 50-plus yard field goals. I mean, that that's good enough to win. Like, this is a defense that's played well enough to win seven out of ten times. So why are they 2-8? and eight? Why is my Patriots fan heart broken right now? It's just these constant failures on offense. And we, we talked about it already, Jackson, a little bit, but it's not just that they make a mistake. It's these mistakes are catastrophic. It's not just Mac throws an interception. No, he throws a pick six, you know, against Philly to open the game. It's not just Zeke Elliott has his first fumble in like a year and a half. No, it's on the second possession against Philly when you're already losing and you really are trying to get something going and it messes with the momentum for the whole game. Yeah, like, Murphy's law mistakes. The, the, yeah. Literally the worst thing that could possibly happen in the situation happens. Yeah, like the, the offensive line blows the protection and it's not just a sack. It's a sack fumble against the Saints. Like it's that's the thing. It's they're not just making these mistakes, but they end up being catastrophic mistakes which have killed them. So if you're a Patriots fan and you want to say, Oh, where can they go from here? I mean, the good news is, and again, they're two and eight, not much good news. The defense has played well enough to win seven out of ten games. So if you can get and this is more of an off season thing, a next year thing, the level of investment offensively that you got defensively in the last few years, drafts free agency, then you can get yourself back on track. But what confuses me or concerns me is now that all these mistakes have piled up and these losses have piled up, can you recover with your quarterback? I don't know if you can. Can you recover with some of these players on offense? I don't know if you can. And the more you lose these games, especially in these catastrophic ways, the harder and harder it gets. So, of course, Jackson, we get to open the show talking about how the Celtics are the best team in the NBA. You know, We're sports talk radio, so we had to talk about how bad the Patriots offense is to even it out. Of course. In the second segment. We are going to get to some more NFL, and we do see some people hanging on the lines. We're going to get to your calls coming up next on WEI. We're back to John Lyons on WEI. Mm-hmm. 
welcome back here on WEI. I'm John Lyons. we got Jackson behind the glass. Do have a... Uh, Interesting quote from Tom Brady this week to get to, but we do have a couple folks on the phone line I want to get to. I'm going to start with Kevin in Quincy. Kevin, how are you? Good. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. What do you got for us, Kevin? Well, in the last segment, I, I noticed you guys were doing a lot of ifs. You know, like if Kayshawn Booty, you know, got his feet down, if Mac Jones made made the throw. I mean, you're still assuming that they're going to get in the end zone after that, right? Besides the Mac Jones interception uh, last week or two weeks back. Um, I think you have to remember that the other team too is saying, well, hey, we could have been up 30 instead of 20, you know, or we could have, you know, done this or done that. Good teams win those games, John. You know what I mean? I I agree completely. Kevin, I'm glad you said that because I think that's what we're seeing. I mean, we saw for 20 years, the Patriots always win those games, right? And we even saw in Mac Jones' rookie year, they won some games like that. And you're right. I mean, a lot of the things I feel like, Kevin, and you brought it up, we're talking about around this team are things people talk about when they have a bad football team. Yeah, no, you're right. And remember, I mean, half the games in the NFL come down to the last drive anyway. So, like, you just can't use that if. I just don't like that, That you know, but have a good day. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate the call. Right, and look, we understand that, you know, if, you know, it's not always, you know, if Kayshawn Booty gets his foot down, it doesn't mean they score, but you're inside the 10-yard line. I like to think the odds are that you do score, but also, I mean, the Jalen Rager one would have been a touchdown if he caught it. The Devontae Parker run, you're like, what, one play away from field goal range, and it hit off both of his hands, right? I mean, the Mac Jones interception against the Colts, Kosicki was wide open, in the end zone. So I understand Kevin's point there, and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of if, but the point is, is the reason these are ifs is because they don't have a good enough offensive roster to actually make those plays happen, which we've seen for years, them actually make those plays happen. We have Joe in Tampa on the line. Joe, welcome into the program. Thanks, guys. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, Belichick got the steal of the draft this year. That kid Gonzalez was drafted 17. He held that wide receiver of the Dolphins, number 10, to 40 yards. And now, if that's incorrect, somebody please correct yeah, me. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it was, it was 40 or 43 yards. He, he did a great job in that week two matchup, Christian Gonzalez did. And, and I agree. And, and thanks for the call, Joe. Christian Gonzalez and Jalen Carter were my two favorite draft picks by any two teams this past year. I think Gonzalez is going to be an all-pro level corner. And Jalen Carter, I mean, some of the advanced metrics on him, some of the pro football focus stuff, is putting him in the league with Aaron Donald. And this dude's a rookie. I mean, the best thing about the Patriots' schedule this year, for their sake, is they, they faced him in his first game as a rookie and not now because he has just been dominant so far in his rookie NFL season. I think he's on his way to defensive Rookie of the year. I mean, we still got seven weeks to go here, but I think he's on his way to that. So credit to Jalen Carter, and I do love the Gonzalez pick as well. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Kevin, for the calls. I did hear something interesting this week from Tom Brady, and we're going to play a little bit of sound here because Tom Brady, so he came into the league in 2000, and he left in 2022. The NFL was a lot different when he entered as opposed to when he left, and he spoke a little bit about the difference in the NFL now. So we're going to play that uh, right now. we got Tom Brady on the NFL now. I, I think there's a lot of mediocrity in today's NFL. Yeah. I don't see the excellence that I saw in the past. I think the coaching isn't as, as good as it was. I don't think the development of young players is as good as it was. The rules have allowed a lot of bad habits to get into the actual performance of the game. Mm-hmm. So I just think the product, in my opinion, 
is less than what it's been. I think I look at a lot of players like Ray Lewis and Rodney Harrison and Ronnie Lott and guys that impacted the game in, in a certain way. And every hit they would have made would have been a penalty. Mm. You hear coaches complaining about their own player being tackled. Why don't they talk to their player about how to protect themselves? We used to work on the fundamentals of those things all the time. Now they're trying to be regulated all the time. Offensive players need to protect themselves. It's not up to a defensive player to protect the offensive player. A defensive player needs to protect himself. I didn't throw the ball to certain areas because I was afraid players were going to get knocked out. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. Wow. I didn't throw it to the middle when I played Ray Lewis because you knock him out of the game and I couldn't afford to lose a good player. Yeah, so Jackson, I agree with a lot of what Brady is saying here. I mean, I think the NFL, there's a lot more subpar play, especially on the offensive line, than really at any point, I think, in the last 20 years or so. But the thing about the Brady saying that, though, is he was responsible for a lot of the changes in the Bernard Pollard rule. Yeah. Right? yeah. But I mean, not that it's not, you know, not that it's bad because player safety is very important, obviously. Yeah. But he, you know, he, he bitched to get calls more than anybody else and got rules made for him pretty much. Yeah. Here's my thing, though. I agree. Player safety is the most important thing that the union can fight for and that the NFL can really be interested in. However, are they really interested in player safety when they play a 17-game schedule with one bye week? As grueling as we know... That's a damn good point. Like, as grueling as we know one NFL game is, you're going to play... And I know... And look at this whole thing about, oh, they only play three preseason games now. Total BS. Because we all know, anyone that watches football knows, the guys playing in that fourth preseason game when it was a thing are not the guys playing in that 17th regular season game. Right, The guys playing in that 17th regular season game are the guys you need if you're going to try to win a Super Bowl or get into the playoffs. Not the guys playing in that fourth preseason game. So the fact that, oh, they only still play 20, no. that fourth You cannot compare a fourth preseason game to a 17th regular season game. This has bugged me for a long time. And Brady actually, when they voted on this, was against this. So he, he was against it, and I think that's hurt it. And look, if you want to improve and put... The rules are too skewed for the offense now, which does aggravate me. I'm glad to see defenses playing better this year. But there's two things you need to do if you want to see the quality of play in the NFL improve. And it's still good. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't suck. But Brady's right. There's more mediocrity today. If you want to see it improved, there's two things you need to do. Number one, you have to have fully guaranteed contracts. Why do I say that? Well, if a guy has a fully guaranteed contract... He's not going to hold out at all in training camp. He's going to play in all the preseason games. So he's going to enter the season playing at a higher level than guys do now who sit out the whole preseason because he's not worried about him losing out. Because think about one injury in the preseason could end your career and cost you tens of millions of dollars. I understand if guys are worried about that. So the first thing is you need fully guaranteed contracts, which, Jackson, I think we know what the owners that might uh, never happen. I mean, they don't even want the coaches to have them. Yeah, yeah, do. right. So... <laughs> Uh, but that's the first thing you need. The second thing you need is to either go back to 16 games or add a second bye week with 17 games because the players are going to be more willing to practice harder and play in the preseason if and, and be there in the offseason if their contracts are guaranteed. The coaches are going to be more willing to put those guys out there in the preseason if they know there's less punishment coming in the regular season. Oh, hey, we have a second bye week now. Oh, hey, no, we're back to 16 regular season games. So if they know, you need both of those things because even if the guy is a fully guaranteed contract, if his coach is worried 
that oh no hey we have you know our, we have 17 games and our bye week isn't until week 12 I can't play this guy in two or three preseason games on top of it right if he's not as worried about that then you're in a much better spot in terms of quality play and a big part of it too and I think this connects directly that player development is not as good we've seen a lot of good young players come out but a lot of times that's the blue chip higher talent guy comes out and splashes no matter where he's drafted but we haven't and I think this is a big offensive line thing. We haven't seen as much player development and offensive lines improve. Like, there's some elite offensive lines, Philly, San Fran, Detroit. But I feel like we haven't seen offensive lines across the NFL get better year over year or get better during the year. And part of that is defensive lines have gotten better. But I think a big part of it is less time together in the offseason, less time out there on training camp, less preseason games, and people are worried about getting through a 17-game regular season. Right? So... I, I think that's a big part of it too. So you need. That's why I think Brady's right. There's a lot of mediocrity in the NFL, and there's a way to fix it. I just don't know if either of those things will ever happen. Jackson, we are already through our number one here on this Thanksgiving morning. That means another hour closer to turkey. Yes, and mashed potato. I'm big mashed potatoes. Oh hell yeah, 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 yeah! Big mashed potatoes. Guy rolls big pie, and of course, Jackson, I don't know, are you here tomorrow morning with Shime? I, I am. Yes. Yeah. So I think I'm going to eat as much as I can, and then wake up tomorrow not even needing breakfast. I, I think that's kind of I mean, that's that's kind of, yeah, that's the way to go. Because i got to wake up sure. at like 4 a.m. anyway. Yeah, the 4 a.m. wake-up call is not easy after a, uh, a whole no. day of gouging. Yeah, especially yourself. when you never do it either. Yes. Like so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for that show with you and Shine tomorrow. And uh, shout-out to Coach Wiggy, speaking of the morning show. Brockton High is up 7 nothing. Yes. half. All right. Save the coach's job. Let's go. And remember, if you're out there listening, if you have any high school football scores from Thanksgiving games, whether they were Tuesday night, last night, or today, send them on over. We'd be happy to read them on air. We're going to do that in our 1145 segment. But coming up next, I led off the show with the Celtics being the best team in the NBA. The Boston Bruins are the best team in the NHL. We're going to start with them, and we're going to go from there. We'll be right back on WEI.